0: Welcome to Filmstrip.
1: I'm Jay. And I'm Anthony from TUSA Podcast.
0: And we're reviewing Knives Out, starring Anna Armas, Daniel Craig, Lakeith Stanfield, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Catherine Langford, Jaden Martell, Noah Sagan, and Christopher Plummer, written and directed by Ryan Johnson, released in 2019 on a $40 million budget, grossed $311 million at the box office, and is still a top hit on Amazon Prime today. Anthony, first off, welcome back to Film Filmstrip. Tell folks a little bit about Tiz the Podcast and all the cool stuff y'all got going on.
1: Well, thanks for having me back, first of all. It's always a pleasure to be here, always fun. Um, a Podcast is a year-round Christmas podcast in which me and my co-hosts discuss Christmas movies, television specials, television episodes all year-round and rank them on a Christmas canon list that is becoming more and more obscene when you look at it the longer we go on. <laughs>
0: Yes, quite an active Reddit y'all have too, where people can keep up with that on Facebook page and everything. But um, <laughs> I had a chance to be on the show with you and your co hosts a couple times. We, we had y'all on this one, so always fun to check it out and do recommend folks check out Tis the Podcast. Because it's not just like the straight traditional Christmas movies. You guys will do the secret Christmas movie and the <laughs> is it a Christmas movie. And then sometimes on your Patreon, you just talk about whatever.
1: Oh, yeah, Patreons, yeah, no holds barred. We'll talk about anything. But, yeah, especially four years into the show now, like the main show, we're getting more and more into the, eh, it's set at Christmas, that counts, right? <laughs> exactly. So, well, we're going to do Knives Out here, and
0: you actually brought this one up. You said, hey, let's let's do this. So background with Knives Out, Why
1: why, why this movie? Okay, that's an excellent question. So my background with this one. I went. I saw this film in theaters with my wife and her cousin when she was in town visiting. And I went into this one completely blind. I saw no trailer. I think I saw a poster and I was impressed by the cast list. And all I knew was it was getting really great reviews. I was like, yeah, let's see it. It's raining. And I remember sitting there the whole time in the theater being really into it. And I was like, it, it was a fun experience. And I remember enjoying it. Did I enjoy it while re-watching for the show today? We shall see. Yeah, I, I waited till this one hit
0: Prime. I, I had seen the trailers, and it just was at a time when I, I didn't have a ton of time to catch something in a theater. So I waited to see it when it came on Prime, And then, I honestly, I had to go back and revisit it for this review. And I was like, what do I remember about this movie? I kind of remember some of it. Because it's really convoluted. I saw this in the wake of all the hate Ryan Johnson got from uh, The Last Jedi, which, Last Jedi. you know, I gave some of it too. It's in the archives here. People can go <laughs> listen to me and Nick and Kurt.
1: Fun episode. Fun episode. Yeah, you know,
0: we, you know, we can pick apart some of what we didn't like about it. I, I've softened on that one a little bit. I think mostly because the last Star Wars were so bad. But anyway, mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson, though, is somebody I like, though, because I thought Looper was a really smart movie. And I think his writing and direction is smart. And the fact that he wanted to do a throwback to like Murder on the Orient Express, Agatha Christie, Mousetrap. Like I'm, I'm a sucker for all that stuff. Any kind of a yeah, yeah. Who Done It? It's why I like the screen movies because they're all Who Done It for better or worse. And, and, and I like that kind of thing. And I looked at this cast; I was like, this is the kind of thing Blumhouse does with the cast. You get people to work for scale, you give them points on the back end (laughs) and you spend all your money on the set and on the fun, you know, and, and that's exactly what happened here. And obviously it was a huge hit. They're making another one. They're going to try to make a TV thing out of it. Who knows? Right. But I, I was suckered for this because just the cast alone was enough because I had seen Daniel Craig do a bad, like, southern accent in Logan Lucky. And I love that movie. And yeah, I kind of feel like movie. Ryan Johnson owes a lot of his quirkiness to Steven Soderbergh anyway. So I, they're like kin to me. So I, I was game for this when, when it happened
1: yeah and I think it's important to say about the cast too like before we even get into the plot whatever we think of this movie the cast looks like they're having the time of their lives they look like they're having so much fun in this film
0: oh yeah I mean you I mean everybody here is on a different level of, of stuff Anna the Armas is really kind of making her way in Hollywood yeah. at this point this is was a star making vehicle for her but Keith Stanfield's been in all kinds of stuff you don't know that name but you know that face you know yep. and you've seen him and then of course you've got Chris Evans playing totally against type which is fun <laughs> to see the avengers do jamie lee curtis is always fun no matter what she does and you know an actor that has had such a career and has been so many things but anytime she can be like a little bit petty and a little comedy i'm down because she does that so well michael shannon could be anything uh, and you can either love him or hate him, and he's good. Don Johnson is still around. I don't know how that guy survived the Miami Vice, but okay, <laughs> uh, you know I'm I'm there. No, so God, I only know him because he's in Ryan Johnson movies. Uh, but apparently, he's a really good actor. Does a lot of you know, theater and stuff like that. Tony Collette could act the phone book for me, and I would just watch it because I love she her. She
1: is amazing. Yes, yeah, and-
0: such a such a buried performer.
1: Yeah, and despite the fact she's in tons of stuff, I still feel she's so underrated by general audiences.
0: Completely underrated. Catherine Langford stole everybody's heart in 13 Reasons Why, which is a very problematic show in a lot of ways, but she's amazing in it. Um, And you wouldn't know she's Australian. This is the thing like Americans fake accents and we suck at it. Everybody else comes over here and you'd never know. But anyway, then you got (laughs) Jaden Martell, who's hot off of it and who barely talks in this movie. And then Christopher Plummer, who's only been around long enough to have been a bad guy in like James Bond movies and Star Trek movies and he's won a Tony and an Oscar and he's just done everything So you, you get all of that in one big pile in Boston without leaning into the Boston part of it which is something I appreciate because as a uh, I, I'm not a New Yorker you are but I love New York it's my favorite big city and therefore I have to have a blood feud with Boston no matter what
1: I mean, if they leaned into the Boston aspect, this would definitely come in a popcorn rating lower for me. At <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: least, yeah. If you put a Wahlberg in this, I'm I'm out. Like I'm, you know, I love those guys, <laughs> but no. Like I'm not I'm not doing that. You bring Donnie and Mark in, that's too much. But but you know, I I'm, I saw all of this and I, and again, I said, okay, this is going to be a lot of fun, and it was. But it's so convoluted; it's hard to remember it. And so when I, I honestly like Ron and I worked l- real hard on the plot summaries here to try to refine those. And if you go back way back in the archives, those used to be really long and they took like five minutes for everybody. And thankfully, yeah, John Jansen and Kurt, who was on the show, said, you know, we should really just shorten those and just blow it all real quick.
1: Uh, yeah. Like, so I've been going back through your archives I'm listening to a bunch of old episodes, like your older plot synopsis used to hit every point in the movie. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We used to hit all of it. And honestly, as as Brian and I got better at
0: doing them on the artist slang, film strips <laughs> <laughs> got better. So we finally got them down. And Anthony, I wrote so many things and it started to get into like pages. And I finally said, Screw it. I'm gonna write five sentences and <laughs> we'll just get into it. So here's the plot summary. Look, it's very convoluted, just trust me on this. Harlan Thrombey is super rich, and he does actually kill himself because he's protecting his nurse, Marta, who thinks she overdosed him. Only she didn't. His grandson, Ransom, tries to frame her for it, but the private detective he hired to help back him up, Buna Blanc, ain't having it. And in the end, he, Marta, and the police get Ransom to confess to everything that he's done. And, oh, yeah, Harlan left Marta his entire fortune. We'll get there. That's, I mean, I can only tell you that because this movie is a whodunit. So obviously, spoilers hot. I hope you you had seen it at least. There's so much to talk about how they get in and out of it. And that's the fun part of this movie. And and the thing about whodunits, just in general, to start with that, is once you know the twist, you know, once you've seen Usual Suspects and you've seen all of it, the joy is, can I go back and relive that and have any fun with it? Or the Scream movies, even since I dropped them earlier. Can you go back and go... When was it Billy? When was it Stu? When was it Mrs. Loomis? You know, all those things. And the good ones, the story is so fun, the characters are so fun. You you don't care about not knowing you know, that you know the twists now. The bad ones, though, it, it it ruins it for you. So it's like, is there a rewatchability to this? And the problem with this movie, I guess it, not problem, but the 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 puzzle of this movie for me, Anthony, is when you watch it, it almost self-erases itself for you because it gives you information then changes that information in the next scene. So you're constantly going, wait a minute, who, who was that? And I watched this with my wife who hadn't seen it before. And she was sitting there going, no, wait a minute, who's that again? And it was a lot of stuff thrown at you in this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. And like, I remember the first time I saw this sitting down to watch it, like you're about 15 minutes in, you find out, you know, you know, Marta thinks she's overdosing uh, Harlan and he, then he kills himself. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, okay, cool. We know for the beginning, you know, it's not going to be a mystery about who killed him. It's going to be a cover up here. And then they add in all these convoluted elements and like start showing us different scenes from different points of views and perspectives. And it's like, it's a it's a lot. You have to really pay attention to this movie. It's not one you can turn your brain off for or be lost in your phone during.
0: Oh yeah, totally. At one point, I was like, I just I, I put my phone down to make sure I was paying attention to the whole I said, trust me, just put your phone down because if you're trying to do that, and you will you will lose yourself on this movie. And you know, in some ways, it's nice to have a movie like that that asks yes. you to say just just don't worry about all that for the next two hours. Let me take you on a ride. It's another thing for that movie to actually deliver on all of that. And I dropped Soderbergh earlier. I think he is really good at doing that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like um Unsane is a really disturbing film, but it makes you just want to, you know, enthrall in it. And then something like Logan Lucky, which is like – oceans 11 the redneck version (laughs) yeah like you
1: just gotta watch it you gotta watch these people pull that off and it's amazing you and ron you you and ron had recommended that one to me and i watched it like the next weekend and that was such a good movie it's such a good call yeah
0: just just another one of those that kind of flew under you know and and (laughs) didn't do like this one did but it was you know it's a big critically acclaimed thing and the thing about this movie i think that makes it work at least for me is that i know all these people in this cast from something And some of them have played such iconic roles. Don Johnson and Jamie Lee Curtis have played things that still last today, being Sonny Crockett and Laurie Strode are part of pop culture lexicon that if you've never seen Halloween or Miami Vice, you know who they are. You know, they are just part of it. And then you've got character actors surrounding them. Tony Collette plays everything. And you're like, oh, I remember her. She was the crazy person in Hereditary. She's also the put-upon mom in the way, way back. And then she was this. And she was, I mean, like, she, you know, all the stuff she's in, right? And you're like, is that Captain America? That's Captain America. He's kind of playing an asshole. I kind of like him. You know, and like there's that. And and again, you see all these people. And then Michael Shannon shows up and you're like, is that, is that Zod? Is that the bad general from The Shape of Water? And he's kind of a jerk. but He's actually kind of a good actor. You know, you get to watch people do things. And I think what Ryan Johnson is good at, if he's good at anything, is writing dialogue for characters and then letting them go with it. And it's almost like a play in a lot of ways. This movie has some pretty cool sets and stuff, and that big house is gorgeous and everything, but it's not a tour de force through Boston. You know, it, no. it, he doesn't really live in the location. It's more about that's just the stage and all the pretty stuff to look at in the background, but what you're supposed to pay attention to is that face that is talking at the moment.
1: I think this could very easily, be, with some tweaks, be turned into a stage play, like a um, one, uh, like a two-act, just one-room play with a few tweaks. Like oh, yeah. to your point, it's not a tour around Boston. They have that set piece where they're investigating later on in the film. Um, they're driving around to different abandoned locations trying to figure out the clues. But I feel like that could easily be reworked for the stage and it would work well on the stage like you said he's great at dialogue and we'll get to when we dive further into this film we'll talk about my favorite scene but it was just all talking and one of the things that I really liked about this film was these people felt real to me so the area of New York I grew up in you could kind of call it like upper middle class but you're bordered by like these really upper class people. So I went to school with some of these kids who came from families like this, and oh man, did this family ring true to me from when I went to their houses and stuff? Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: so. I, I can only imagine, man. That that <laughs> that is so cool to hear. I guess let's get into it. Let's talk about the thrombies as a family because I think it's neat to sort of it's almost like family feud. <laughs> let's put everybody in a in a you know place. Harlan Thrombey is Christopher Plummer. And he has such a gravitas when he's on screen and such a presence that I can not believe he's anything. And what they've played him off as, is if he is, I don't know, some cross between Agatha Christie and like Tom Clancy and Stephen King and, you know, all these mystery writers, Dean Koontz, you know, one of those, um, or Clive Cussler, like he's got all these books, right. And he's just made a, Fortune out of this, and this all centers around the fact that it's his 85th birthday, and he has chosen this night to cut everybody out of the (laughs) will, which is always a fun rich person trope, right? To to think about, but just him as a character, and he's not on screen that much, even in flashbacks. They don't use him a ton because, I mean, again, he is quite old, and I'm sure he can't work that much. But he is he, a presence, though, despite yeah, that. When you know him, like he just looms over this whole thing. And they have that big oil painting of him in the in the the uh, I guess the hallway or whatever of the house leading out to one of the, the uh, you know, viewing decks. And that looms as large as him actually being there. And it's almost like, well, we can't have Chris here much, but we're going to have this huge friggin' painting that we're going to commission up. And it's just going to loom over. And I'm looking at that and I'm like having flashbacks to like the ghost and Mr. Chicken and all these old, like, you know, classic horror movies or the, the haunting and all that kind of stuff. There's always <laughs> Dorian Gray. Yes, yeah. exactly. But he has got this whole, persona about him and the thing is like on one level you should absolutely hate him because he's awful (laughs) but on the other hand he's actually doing the most noble thing he's ever done in his life when he makes these choices about cutting his family out of his will
1: yeah absolutely and I well I expected to hate him but that first extended scene you get with him and Marta where they're playing the game and just talking back and going back and forth at one another I loved him. He's funny. He's personable. He's charismatic. It's clear why you see Marta fighting about how out about his death. She, I think she would have been just as devastated if she hadn't thought she killed him. If that right. makes sense.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Like you can tell she's as ingrained in his life as anything else. And we'll get to her in a bit, but yeah, he's got such a cool presence and the way we meet the rest of the family is through the interrogation pieces, and we can get into that in a bit, but we got to talk about him. like Jamie Lee Curtis plays his oldest daughter, Linda, who in some ways he's kind of already cut off, but also he hasn't. Like she started her own business from the ground up with a million dollar loan from dad, but whatever, she had to pay it back, you know, so like she's got her own thing. And you sort and, of respect her for that. It's like she made something out of herself. And I don't know. Jamie Lee Curtis always seems to play that kind of character anyway. And I just I bought it. I'm like immediately,
1: I'm like, yes, you you have done this. She definitely seems the most intelligent out of all the children in this family. Like she definitely inherited his brains. Yes. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. She
0: she got his like drive to continue to succeed and do well. And she's got her husband, Don Johnson, who's I don't know what he does than hang out with his wife and cheat on her. Like that's his whole thing. (laughs) But that's the the twist of them is that I know Richard's cheating on you. And, oh, your son is also a horrible human being. And that's who Chris Evans plays, Hugh Ransom. And I'm like, only like, and I grew up in the South. So tell me, do people name their children this like pretentious shit like this? Because it's hilarious to me to see it in movies like this.
1: Yes, they do. (laughs) Yes, they do. I have known people with crazy names like that or the names that are like really last names, but they're using them as first names. And so again, ring true to me. But Chris Evans is so good in this role. And after years of him as Captain America, like this harked back to... In his early days, just starting out, when he played Johnny Sturm in Fantastic Four, he played a bit of a dick. Not another teen movie, he played the stereotypical jock. Yes,
0: I was thinking not another teen movie. I was like, he is dialing that schmaltzy, cheesy thing back up, and it's hilarious.
1: And I can only think after, what's it been, 10 years of playing Captain America, he must have had a blast leaning into the awful side. (laughs) Right. Like, like, yeah, because
0: even in the movies he's done outside of the Avengers universe, like, he's played these kind of dark characters. And I mean, he's, you know, I've seen him in movies that are really like dramatic and all this with these big action movies and stuff. And then just to get to do this little part where all he does is smirk on the screen the whole time. It's I, I, I thought he was a blast. And yeah. yes, Don Johnson and Jimmy Lee Curtis, if they had a kid, would probably
1: act and look a lot
0: like Chris Evans. <laughs>
1: Yep. And I do want to say about John Johnson's character too, like I loved so the interrogation scenes, that's just how we meet them and they're going, you know, switching back and forth between each of their perspectives. Jamie Lee Curtis isn't is too smart to buy into their tricks to like reveal secrets about our family. Don Johnson just spills it all. Like, oh yeah, he's horrible. They got into a fight. Oh, he's a literal nazi. Like, made me laugh so much. Yes, yeah, cuz he's just like, whatever, I'm I'm I'll tell, sure,
0: whatever. I call it the Jar Jar binks of a character. It's like, I give up. Sure, whatever. <laughs> whatever you need. And I mean, he wasn't the one that invented it, but it felt the same way. So, yep, yeah, but you ha- you have them as as a unit. Then you've got his son, Walt, which is played by Michael Shannon, who Michael Shannon is such a big person anyway, even beyond Hollywood standards, he's legitimately a tall presence. And he's got this big voice, but he plays these characters where he can just be really kind of mousy, which is just the range of him as an actor. And he's got this sort of scraggly beard. He's sort of this ex hippie kind of person or whatever. He's got a wife, Ricky Lincoln, who's hilarious, just sort of standing there bug eyed the whole time. And his son, who's always on his phone, which perfect to type, you know, they got that. But his whole thing is he has curated his dad's legacy. And he's just got it down to a science. And, you know, we're just going to keep this going into ebooks next, Dad. And all of a sudden, but he's never done anything on his own.
1: And, mm-hmm.
0: you know, I like I know people like that who they've done great stuff and they, they followed the family biz and they've kept it going. And that's great. But I always wonder, like, did you ever do anything on your own? You know, right. and you hear him talk sometimes like my dad used to say, like, you need to do something on your own. And that's Walt's whole thing is he doesn't do anything on his own.
1: Yeah, and and Wall is – so Michael Shannon's character thinks he has actual more control at this company than he actually does because he really wants to get into the film division, sell the rights to Netflix and things like this, and Harlan's having none of it, so – Right there it's established motive, like why would you wanna kill this guy? Well, you wanna kind of run the company and make even more money by selling the rights to this empire to the movie studios, and something else about his character he's it's i guess he's disabled, he walks at the cane well he's got he's got a cast on his leg all the time oh okay, and, and, and yeah. so
0: I, and so I thought like I can relate as someone who's quite clumsy and often injures <laughs> myself i'm like oh i this this is this big guy, he's kind of an oaf. And he just hurts himself all the time, but that gives his character like a a crutch, right? Because that's the thing we should say, like everybody's motive to kill or kill these people. Linda's would be that he never gave me, you know, anything and I had to do it all on my own. Walt's would be that I want more control than dad will give me, right? Like that's the, the bit. And I think the physically that he walks with a cane and stuff, lets you know, he's being propped up by something else. He's not doing it on his own. That's what that's yeah. supposed to be.
1: Yeah, that and that's great. It, that works really well. And it also makes him a little more, a little less intimidating for his size so that when he confronts Martyr later on in that back alley, you realize it's like you're taking it back. Like, oh, this guy is actually dangerous despite the fact like he's quote unquote disabled at the moment because of the cane. Right, yeah. You forget how big he is because he plays
0: so small. which it's, yep. it's, it's an acting feat in itself. Then you've got daughter-in-law, Joni. This is Tony Collette's character. Her husband was the other son who passed away we don't really know much about him but she is very much like you can tell they met at like a Lollapalooza concert or something <laughs> and she's like this s- pseudo hippie like she's not old enough to be a real hippie <laughs> but she kind of <laughs> is and she's just sort of into oh whatever philosophy of the week and she's kind of an airhead or whatever and she's got a daughter played by katherine langford who's like the classic trope of the completely useless liberal arts degree seeking student, right? And their whole thing is that they has been double dipping on the tuition from from Harlan and he finds out. And so that would be her motive. But the thing about her and and particularly the daughter in this, I never suspected them once for anything before the movie reveals itself because she's so ditzy and plays so ditzy that this woman can't probably can't figure out what tomorrow is, much less how to kill somebody in all this convoluted way, but I, I loved her because she was so fun, and I knew people, even where I grew up, that were like this, and their kids were like Meg, and I was like, oh god, I'm having flashbacks here.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I never suspected them at all, and I liked the contrast she proved to the rest of the Harlan's children, like she was the aloof fun one like the in-law and you got the impression like jamie lee curtis's character especially that the minute that harlan died like this woman's getting cut off from the rest of the family because i don't want anything to do with her and she even makes a comment about meg at one point at the very beginning like she leaves the birthday party early and she makes a comment oh dad's sending her to this hippie feminist school to <laughs> lead into all of this stuff and she can't even stay for birthday cake and that made me really laugh like Again, anyone with a large family, Richard and I can recognize these personalities as well yeah and and that's the thing like my wife's family
0: they have a large extended family, and they all have gathered together for multiple things at different times and it's funny to watch that dynamic because I didn't really do that. I mean my parents had you know lots of brothers and sisters and stuff, but us all getting together was hard to do because everybody was scattered, so it was usually just the four of us. So when I married my wife and I got to hanging out with her family, it'd be like 10, 12 people sitting around Grandpa's living room on you know Christmas Eve talking. And I'm going, I don't, I don't know how to operate in this circle. And I would watch people, and I'm sitting there having memories of that. I'm like, okay, that's the see one. That's the that that's the you know. And everybody's got one, right? And mm-hmm. you know, there's always the the in law or, or the outlaw, as they say. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know. It's, I I loved Joni. I thought she was funny. Uh, in this, and get Tony Collette could, again, act the phone book for me. And I would be like, yes, that's wonderful. Give you statues uh, because she's just such a good presence. And she's never malicious. Like you get that she's robbing the old man. <laughs> Let's not, you know, belay her crime here, but she's not a bad person. It's not like you can't spare it. And she she's clearly like, you can see why her and Linda didn't get along. Because Linda, even though she had a little help, did make something out of herself, right? And mm-hmm. she can't stand her brother Walt because he's just a suck up and doesn't do anything, right? And won't do anything on his own. And this woman <laughs> didn't do anything. Like she was married to my brother. That's her only <laughs> claim. Like that's her you can see that.
1: And it's a bit transparent the way she interacts with Harlan in the few scenes he's alive. Like she is she's pretty much sticking around this family now for the money that he's giving her like she's using him and I think that's clear to Linda because it's clear to the audiences and she can't stand her for it
0: yeah and then just kind of tucked over in the corner is Harlan's mother and I don't know who this actress was they they call her Juanita but great Nana Thromby, just sort of sitting over in the corner like a wallflower and I got such a kick out of her just sort of being there and not really being there at the same time and i i don't know i i thought it was funny i mean she was a and good blind as a bat to people like
1: two feet in front of her
0: right right you know <laughs> people you know like this and, and you can think like oh yeah everybody's got everybody got that one family member that's wow you're still alive you're
1: 104 <laughs> good well, for you <laughs> That's what makes it funny too, because you look at Christopher Plummer, who is clearly ancient himself, and his mom is still kicking in the corner. She yeah. now lose him. Like, yeah, I know. So. I'm like, wow, like that's <laughs> something you
0: didn't think would happen. And yeah, but it's it's funny to to see, and you got all these people running around. And then you get really our central character, Marta. And again, I don't know Anna Day Armist from anything. Now, you know, I've, I've seen her name on stuff, and but watching her in this, she has such presence and is so fun and plays someone who's innocent but also a little world weary and we should tell her story like her mom immigrated to the united states the really old-fashioned way she snuck in and she worked (laughs) hard and had kids and marta has made something of herself and the way it's said is that she her mom had the kids when she was in america so by law marta and her sister are u.s citizens but they've got to protect mom because she doesn't have the green card and that could be a problem. Right. And so, and you realize like the, this almost feels like it's 20 years too late. Like, you know, like there's a generation of people who have, have gone from this world now who could just scrape out a living and get by and never be noticed. Right. Any authority at all, never do anything wrong. They just pay their taxes. They just do their stuff, and you never know who the heck they are. You know, they're just invisible to the world, and they raise kids on this. And poor Marta has has taken a great gig. Man, <laughs> I get to take care <laughs> of the richest dude in town by far, <laughs> and he's and not only that, he's nice to me. We play games, we joke with each other. His family's loony as hell, but whatever. I don't see them that much, and I, he's compassionate to her situation yes, too. That's the thing is he he's not using her and he's not patronizing to her and that's what makes the harlan character so much fun is that you would think somebody and i'm not trying to be mean but somebody that old that had been in those areas doesn't look at the world like that right (laughs) necessarily the fact that he sees something in her is like you know what you're making something of yourself and i think honestly he looks at his own family like they didn't do anything without me you on the other hand did all this on your own. That's pretty good. And you can tell they really get along. It's like the daughter he never had.
1: Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. He clearly views her as family, whereas the rest of the family say they do. But then again, you get the dueling and compare.
0: <laughs> yeah, Don Johnson being the jingoistic asshole of all time. Like, come on, Marta, come over and tell us what it's like to be from wherever the hell it is you're from. You know, and I mean, yeah. it's, it's funny that's played for comedy, but you you realize like I have family members that <laughs> talk like that, and they're just as like they don't mean anything by it. But oh God, yeah. you know. <laughs> racist they just don't mean to be <laughs>
1: right, right and they and they claim to embrace her as family but then you get jimmy coater saying she wasn't even allowed at the funeral like i wanted you there but the rest of them didn't and then the minute she walks away you get john johnson saying well i wanted you there but linda had a stick yeah, well, up her and, ass and and in the same
0: breath he just hands her a plate that he's done eating off of like here take care of that it's like <laughs> no. okay they but that's the thing is they all in one way or another patronize her on yep. some level except harlan he doesn't and like he messes with her, like he played, like they're playing the game. He's like, oh, there's an earthquake coming when she's beating him, and he flips the deck over, and she's like, great.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he kind of acted like um like your older grandfather, like an yeah. old grandfather to her. That was a exactly. relationship I got. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: And so, and we should say like the setup
0: is the reason she thinks she poisons him is he gets nightly medication and he gets a little bit of morphine too to help him rest because at eighty five, whatever, why, why not? <laughs> you know, you can afford to do it, and. Ransom has gone in unbeknownst to everybody at this point and switched the labels on the bottles. And, Marta thinks she injects him with a hundred cc's of morphine, which that's bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm surprised she said it would take ten minutes to kill him because I, like, I would have thought that would have knocked the, him out. Quick. The fact that this man is completing sentences two minutes later is amazing. Because I had a
0: kidney stone once and that gave me a little bit of morphine and I didn't care what happened to the rest of the world. I was good. oh yeah, that was an incredible trip. Um, and I, <laughs> I'm like, Well, I understand why people get hooked now because it's wow, it's great. But but what? what we learn is that and and i have friends who are nurses and back me up on this she actually doesn't inject him with the wrong stuff because based on visual acuity the viscosity of the two liquids is so different she doesn't even look at the bottles she just looks at the stuff and she realizes oh i've got them backwards and she just she injects him with the right stuff but she thinks she does it wrong and that's the whole thing and the the moment when she is telling him like I've got to get you the antidote. And she is frantically looking for it because it comes with the kit. She can't find it in those big tears in her eyes. And you're like, oh wow, like this is heavy. And the way he plays it off, I gotta ask you, I'm like, has has he like thought now if one day by chance she might poison me? This is how I, like he has clearly planned out how this <laughs> is gonna go down in some way, even though he has no idea what's going on.
1: He was remarkably calm for what supposedly happened to him just then. And all I could think of is... Well, he's eighty-five. Maybe he's at the point like a lot of older people get. It's like, uh, like whatever. I'm done with this world anyway. Yeah. But when you get to know his family more, I could think like, oh, I finally get to leave this family behind. I'm fine with his fate. <laughs> but I found it interesting. Like his immediate reaction isn't panic or stress or anything. It's like, oh, this would be a great, uh, mo- this would be a great way to kill somebody in my next mystery novel. Like when he still thinks she's going to she has the injection to save him. He's like, oh, let me write this down. This is a great way to kill someone off. And I loved that. Like, oh, he's yeah. always, his brain's always moving. And that's what you
0: learn. Like, there's so many things in his house that are homages or things that just happened that he's like, oh, I'm going to put that in the book. Like this hidden entrance and all this other stuff. And you realize, like, this guy has invented so many ways for people to get killed <laughs> that he's just like, well, okay, here's how we're going to get out of this. Like, he's got his own mystery novel of a life set and the sad part is is he doesn't have to die he decides to slice
1: his own throat which is a gruesome way to go can we talk about that like who chooses that a giant knife too not a switchblade like it looks like an ancient ceremonial dagger that he takes and slits his own throat
0: well, Completely. I mean, yeah, and, he, and he sets up like Chekhov's knife for us in in dialogue. And if you blink, you miss it there. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, but it's, uh, oh, this is not one of the stage knives like you see downstairs. Because there's this big like room of knives and this big chair of knives, which is almost like a nicer Game of Thrones looking chair, I guess you'd say. <laughs> but it's all these your know, stage knives. And he's like, this is the real thing. And he starts playing with it a little bit. And I'm like,
1: put the knife down, Grandpa, your skin's thin. But- <laughs> and he says it in reference again, because it will come back later, to ransom. Like When he's talking about it, he's like, this yes. kid can't even tell the difference between a prop knife and a real knife. Exactly, which will which we'll, yeah.
0: we'll play out, as we know. And the thing is, is Marta's scrambling. She doesn't know what to do. And he tells her, like, no, here's what we're going to do. And this all gets revealed to us. And that's what I wanted to say is that for a little while, we don't know what happened. We're like, what, what went on? What's going on here? This is a big mystery. And then they reveal it to us in the second act. And Ryan Johnson's like, look, I want to show you the trick now, because what's fun is not the fact that this happened. What's fun is all the ways we get to figuring this out. And that's when we we haven't talked about the cops and we need to talk about our three policemen here. <laughs> you have Lieutenant Elliot, Lakeith Stanfield, who's so good. He's just playing the straight man. And that's his job. You got Trooper Wagner, who I don't know what his role here is in terms of like why you have a statey and a local detective, but sure. Uh, but he's I, like a super fanboy of Harlow's Robbie.
1: Right. And you almost get the impression the two of them together, if uh, Benoit Blanc wasn't in the picture, he'd be the good cop to Elliot's bad cop. Exactly. Yes, yes. That's,
0: that's exactly what it is. And then you've got Daniel Craig sitting in the background chewing scenery, flipping a coin, playing a piano. And he'll just hit a key on a piano when the, when the conversation gets a little awry, like, ding. And it's almost <laughs> like that's the clue. And what's funny is he, realizes he has zero jurisdiction over these people, but they are just as enthralled with him as Linda is and everybody else that's read about him. And, you know, because he's, he's the last of the gentleman detectives. He's from a different, you know, time before. And what you learn about him is he doesn't know why he's there either. Somebody paid $5,000 cash to come investigate this, and he didn't even know the guy was dead at the time. And that's the mystery. He's there to figure out who hired me. And I got to say that watching Daniel Craig do this performance is so fun because, again, he's, he's clearly desperately trying to hide his accent. And I don't know if somewhere in the way, like, cause they do it in Logan lucky too. If someone along the way, Johnson said, don't fight it. If it slips, just let it. Cause it'll be part of the humor. Cause there's times when he's talking, it's like, yes, that's very much uh, Eastern Tennessee, Northern Kentucky. Like I can, I can feel it. And like, Nope, you're from great Britain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, Oh, that, that slipped. And it's, my wife is like, well, he sucks at this. I said, I think that's the point. (laughs) It's supposed to be like a little bit of everything.
1: It just adds to the mystery surrounding his character too, though. Like they've already already announced they're going to milk this franchise for all what it's worth, like do sequels and stuff. I wonder, like they could easily do a prequel and show us his early days too, like and figure out more about this eccentric guy who is literally, who Linda and all these people have read about. He's become so famous, I guess. And like... (laughs) even his body language i love that it's just slumped in the chair like he looks looks kind of lazy he's not sitting up straight he's just sitting there like i want to know more about him and they Rian johnson does such a good job of doling it out in little pieces and even by the end you don't know a lot but it works for me i love this character i want to see more of his adventures
0: what, what you learn about him is that he is freaking sherlock holmes like he is noticing stuff because there's this one scene, it's, it happens early on when Marta's at home with her parents again, and and or her mom and sister, and they're watching the news about Harlan's death, and they zoom in on her shoe, and there's this little red dot of blood, it's on it, and in the in the end, last act, he tells Marta, "He said, I knew you were there when he died." from the first time I met you. And I know you didn't have anything to do with it either. And she said, well, how did you know that? And he points at her shoe and it's like, wow, this guy notices everything. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's fun to have a character like that. Who seems like more myth than he is reality, but then you seem actually get to do it. And it's so much fun. I'm with you. I want to see, just take him and give him another mystery because it's it's so much fun to watch him and watch him figuring it out too when he's talking through it. He's like, like bugging out in the car and his veins are popping out of his head. It's <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing, man? But it's so much fun to watch.
1: And it's like his brain is working so fast and is so like, it's such a big brain and moves so fast. Like he's always fiddling with something, like you said, the piano or clicking a pen or throwing sticks for the dogs. Like he always has to do something to, it's almost like slow down the brain or just occupy himself while he's thinking, which is a good character beat. But yeah, you said, um, you phrased it perfectly. He, he's more myth than legend. And when he comes in, the way everyone reacts to him right off the bat. I bought into this. Okay, this guy's a myth. Although part of me did think like, mm, it can't be good for the private eye business that he's so famous that everyone recognizes him when they see him,
0: right? Yeah, it's like if that guy shows up, like it's over. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, this it. He's not... He's not sneaking around taking pictures of anybody, you know, cheating on somebody. (laughs) Whoever did that for for Harlan to catch Richard cheating on Linda, like, no, that wasn't him. (laughs) And the twist about him and what's fun is that you realize Ransom hired him to come out there and find out Barta. You know, and he was like, okay, he'll come in here and he'll figure all this out because the cops are stupid. They won't do this right. But this guy will do it and he'll entertain my dumb family. You know, and and see if if he can get them out of the way so I can get what I want and all this stuff. I mean, because it's what what we should say is what Harlan is doing on his 85th birthday is slowly but surely telling each of his family members <laughs> you're done. So he starts with the grandson, and and what we realize is he tells the grandson I'm leaving all this to the nurse, <laughs> and, the, and the grandson can't believe it. He's like, <laughs> what? And he, he's tell he told Linda, you know, you're gone. He's telling um, Walt, you know what? I think it's time for you to go on your own, you know. And she, he's done, He's he's cutting them all off from one way or the other. He's told Joni, like, I know what you're doing. This is the last of the checks you're going to get from me. All that stuff. So I, I don't know. I thought that was neat that his plans to cut everybody off before he thinks he's poisoned. It's almost like he, he. <laughs> He totally uh, uses the fact that, like, well, I just cut everybody off, and that's a good time to die. It's, it's almost too convenient for it.
1: Right. It's it's almost one of those things. Like, if Marta didn't supposedly mess up, was he going to like kill himself that night? Because he was like wrapping up every loose end <laughs> that evening. That he had in his life, like, so it wouldn't have mattered regardless. I was almost thinking, like, oh, is he just sick of life? He just wants to end it himself regardless.
0: No, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird, but it's more like he realizes no, this is perfect because they're all here. So we don't have to wait for them to get here. I'll be dead. They'll figure out real quick. I killed myself. And you run and he works out this whole thing for her about, here's how you can, you know, cover up all your tracks and what you need to do to you know, cover yourself. And, and what's funny is she realized like she screws it up so many different ways. She breaks (laughs) one of the steps. She stands there in front of grandma who thinks she's ransom. So that works out. She, she, uh, realizes she made tracks in the mud so she has to cover them up later and that's hilarious because she's walking through them going I'm sorry I can't hear you they're telling her please don't walk over there and, uh, you
1: know, the, the she comp- stops a car on the wrong side of the gate that he told her to exactly. in front of the cameras yeah, yep. yeah. so that's what's funny to watch his antidearm
0: is just trying to do all these things that he's laid out for because he's only got like five minutes to live so it's not like she's got a ton of time and she doesn't know what she's doing <laughs> Like that's the thing she can't do it and it's funny to watch her go through all these motions and stuff. And we learned something about her, too, that's a big tell, is that if she starts lying, she throws up. she's physically sick from it. And that's a big plot point that they're going to play with a good bit in this movie.
1: Right. And when they introduced this the first time I saw it, I was thinking to myself, like, I'm not a big fan of that, like, vomit, like the potty humor, for lack of a better word, which I would associate vomit with but they do it sparingly enough and it actually has a point to it like it comes back in the end it gets she gets her own little arc with it that it worked for me and apparently upon doing some research this is a real condition some people have which is i don't know anyone like that but okay (laughs) i know yeah me either but i
0: appreciated it the way that they played that for us because what we'll learn is that she tell you know ransom kind of swings her out of the uh the house because too much crazy going on and he takes her to eat you know sausage and beans whatever and he asks her like a question like I know you'll throw up if you lie to me. Because especially with what I just fed you. And so she lays it all out for it. She tells everything. And the way he plays it first is like, oh, wow, that's crazy. What you realize this, later on is like his whole plan just blew up in his face. <laughs> He's like, mm-hmm. oh, crap. What am I going to do now? <laughs> and that's when that's when everything kicks into overdrive. And uh, what I like, too, is that there's there's another reveal later where I guess she's the maid or whatever in the house who hates ransom catches him coming back to swap the bottles back around again or actually to put the the antidote back in the kit so that it looked like marta purposely killed you know the old man and, you know, her story about I couldn't find it is bull, you know, or whatever. Well, that that poor woman, Fran, played by Edie Patterson, is just like, no. And and we find when Marta finds her in the back of that old laundromat, like that was something out of the frigging Conjuring, man. That was scary.
1: Like, she's just it was creepy. Yeah, with that, with this bug crawling on her face and everything like, oh, man, you're 100 percent right. I thought that turned that went into traditional horror fare really quick. But it was it was effective. Like I kept trying to put myself in poor Marta's shoes. Like a day ago she was just this kindly old man's nurse. And now here she is, like being uh, (laughs) covering up what she thinks is an accidental murder on her part, and she's all of a sudden finding staff dying and oh it was so it was good though. It was really well done. No, it's great. And what's fun about it is is you learn later that ransom
0: does kill Fran. And tries to set Marta up for it the same way. She, he drugs her with morphine, and Marta tries to save her life. And that's when you really learn that Marta is is really a good person, because she could just shut up, and everything will be okay, right? But she decides, screw it, I'm going to save this woman, and so she tries to save her. And that's a, you know kind of the plot point at the very end of the movie. But whether she does or not, but I, I don't know. I, I like that. I like that whole bit um, there too. <clears throat> my my question for you is. Did you have any idea who really did it before they finally revealed? Because I'll—I'll admit, I didn't. I didn't know who would have done it. I couldn't put it on. I just knew it wasn't Marta. I was like, well, clearly she did. She's uh, you know not involved in this, but I don't know who's pulling the strings.
1: I did not either I, because I thought Ransom would have been too obvious a choice. Honestly, like, so I, I didn't think it was him. My mind went to Linda. <laughs> I thought as the most well most put together child, I thought there would have been some resentment there and maybe she would have done it. But no, I didn't see it coming. Like it was just a theory and clearly I was wrong.
0: Yeah, I, d- I didn't know it either. And the fact that Ransom has done it and that Marta knows it, blocks figured it out and then gets the other cops in on it. That's what's fun is that final reveal where they're getting him to talk. Well, we should talk about what, what really sets everybody on edge first before we get to that. They have the reading of the will. Frank Oz, who, you know, everybody's favorite Muppet and Yoda comes in and who can also just play these (laughs) random lawyers for some reason, comes in to read the will. And what you realize is that everything gets left to Marta.
1: And what what Chris Evans puts on a performance, there, just cackling, you know, because this is my favorite scene in the movie. Because immediately when Frank Oz, as a lawyer, reveals this, a switch flitch- flips at this family. They don't even pretend to like her anymore. The first thing Jamie Lee Curtis's Linda does is she turns around and says, you bitch. And exactly. It, <laughs> and they start ganging up on her, like, were you sleeping with him, accusing her of all this stuff, manipulating him, sleeping with him, whatever. And the whole time, Ransom's sitting in the corner, like laughing his ass off. And it is the funniest scene in this movie for me i loved it so well done there's like two times when he
0: just sets his family into chaos just to see what happens because he tells them all to eat shit you know and all this stuff and then he does this here and what you know is that he already knows this he's just there for the theater of it and to watch the rest of them melt down and it is a true meltdown. Like they and the, the movie takes a 30 minute diversion with them trying to go, like, well, we'll just have to get her to renounce it. That's just the only the right thing to do. And they like intimidate her for it and all this stuff. And, and it's it's hilarious to watch them just justify. And you realize you're watching all these one percenters see their trust fund evaporate in front of yeah. them, they have no idea how to deal with.
1: And like they <clears throat> essentially they chase her out of the house. And I love ransom gets her in the car. And- that he rolls down the window. This was fun. We should do it again sometime. It's so funny. I loved it. And that's when he
0: takes her off and she tells him everything and all this other stuff starts happening. But it's part of the fun is watching that all unravel and watching them completely lose their stuff. And, you know, I'm trying not to read way too much into this, but I do think Ryan Johnson is trying to say something to us is that these super rich white people, the thought (laughs) of this brown person having all of this money all of a sudden for no reason that they can discern at all you know that freaks them out and then you uh, know i think he's trying to say something about that
1: yeah i think he was definitely um making some commentary there and it i mean that the whole one percent thing is very timely for nowadays like the class warfare thing but exactly. they I loved it. They were playing the whole victims. It was like it's like when you go I'd turn on CNBC during the day and see like Leon Cooperman shedding tears that they want to raise his taxes to <laughs> help the lower class people of this right. country.
0: And what, what you realize is he's parroting all of that because this is what what people fear is like they're just going to take everything I've got and give it to people that don't deserve. It. It's like no moron, no one thinks like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not how that works. You know? <laughs> but it is th- it is playing into that fear, right? And that's what makes it funny. That's what we're the comedy comes from it and i'll give him credit for doing that because he did have some other like social commentary going on in last jedi that did not work and felt completely wrong and it's like well at least you learned how to write that better because it's in looper too but it's much more subtle and in this one i'm like i think you've come back to your subtle ways this is smarter this is how you do that and what's funny is people act like that's a new thing anthony if you can watch theater. And Agatha Christie stuff, and I'll specifically talk about, like, Mousetrap. It is all up in that. Like, that has been mm-hmm. going on for decades, you know? You, that's where we get a lot of social commentaries through art
1: like that, and that's what I, I think it's fun. I wouldn't even say decades. Like, people think it's so new. You go back to, like, Shakespeare. You go centuries yes. back, like, they've been dealing with the whole social commentary, specifically class warfare and the fear of the other, the outsider. Like, it is nothing new. It's just, you know it It adapts to the times yeah Yeah, exactly exactly. it it adapts to the time and that's
0: what makes this story
1: so fun when they realize they can't sway her to relinquish her to relinquish basically what he left her in the will what does walt do he goes to her house and and not so subtly threatens like hey we could call you know essentially (laughs) immigration on your mom and get her kicked out of this country we we
0: wouldn't want that to happen would we and what's funny is he realized he has no power because she finally realizes wait a minute i've got the kind of money that can buy the lawyers that'll fix that so you can go away yeah (laughs) That's, that's what's funny is that she finally realizes she has power in in that moment, and it's a neat reveal for her to realize, like, wait, well, i do not listen to your crap anymore. You know, and <laughs> what's what's funny is all of her sisters are like, "Are we rich now? I I don't know, maybe. You know? <laughs> I don't know. It it is fun, and um, there's a little behind the scene thing that I did not pick up on until I read this. But everybody's running around with Apple phones this whole movie, except Ransom, because Apple specifically has a rule: if you're going to use our phones in the movie, it cannot be for anybody doing evil. It has to be for, really cannot be for the bad guy. So ransom's got some rando android. <laughs>
1: that's so interesting. I'm I, gonna, I, now I'm going mean, to keep an eye out in every movie.
0: Yeah, like I usually don't lean into that kind of trivia, but I thought that is so weird to think about. <laughs> I'm like, it's also weird in a movie that's saying what this movie is saying. <laughs> like, and they bowed to that. I'm like, oh, this is oh, this is gives my head hurt. <laughs> So we we do get to that final scene, though, where what's happening is is Blanc is laying it out for how he knows Ransom's been involved in this and Marta's doing her part, too, and Ransom's denying it, and then he's kind of not denying it, and they talk about the part that they, we know you killed Fran, or you tried to, at least, and the phone rings from the hospital where where Marta took her, and she picks it up and she plays it off as like, great, that's good news, and she hangs up and she doesn't say anything else. Ransom's like, she's alive. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and I, in my head, I'm like, she's about to blow chunk at this dude. Cause this <laughs> is dead, but he lays, he does the Scooby-Doo villain thing, you know, or the James exactly. Bond villain. It's like, he tells everything. he got nothing on me. Maybe attempted murder, but I've got the kind of money that gets lawyers to get me out of this stuff. And, da, 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 da. and then she just throws up on him. And generally I don't go for that kind of humor either, but in this moment, I was like, that was perfect. Like the piece that yeah, fed it him, that was perfect.
1: It was a, such a nice payoff. Like, it had a point, it wasn't just some random character quirk, yeah. like so it you- was Chekhov's gun at the beginning, and she yeah. does it.
0: Yes, yes, che- Chekhov's puke. And so yeah. she she but he knows then, oh, she's dead. And then the trooper's like, and I just recorded you <laughs> saying yeah. all that crap. So I love his whole like, well, in for a penny, in for a pound, and he comes at her with that stage knife and it's slow-mo and it's all this drama, and
1: he stabs her and it just retracts the blade. And he's like yep. <laughs> which again check out knives you go back to the beginning yep. he said in the first 10 minutes Harlan said in the first two minutes of the film like the kid's such an idiot he doesn't know the difference between a real knife and a fake one
0: exactly and that's what's funny and my wife asked like so what if he had grabbed the real knife and i and i got to thinking about it i looked back and there's a scene early where you go watch him he plays with that one knife that he picks out Like he touches it. Apparently he's got some connection to that stage knife. I don't know what it is, (laughs) but there's, it's subtle and it's kind of hidden in there. And I'm like, I think he has always fixated on it. Then. That's just the one he grabs. Otherwise, that's a real dangerous plot point. That's <laughs> <Unless laughs> all of those were fake. But, you know, who knows? One of those are like crocodile dundees. I'm like, that ain't no way that retracts. So, right. so, <laughs> like, no, that, that's a real knife. And that'll do some damage on that little little person that he just hit. Because end of the Armist is like five tubes. <laughs> so, <you know? laughs> and, but, but it's funny because that's the big reveal. And then you're left with what's left is she's drinking out of Harlan's coffee cup, which is like my house my rules or whatever it says on it and she's sort of standing there in her mansion watching all of these people and like you can all leave now (laughs) it's it's awkward and jamie lee curtis gets some kind of note that reveals that her husband's cheating but it goes by so fast you don't get to read it so i don't know what like
1: why that was even there i I don't get it well i think it was just to prove the point because um it uh her husband willingly gives her the note Because he doesn't think Harlan had time to write it because it's a blank letter in an envelope. He thinks Harlan was just threatening it. And there was a throwaway line earlier where Jamie Lee Curtis revealed that her father and her used to communicate with Invisible Ink. So when she opens this envelope, she smirched herself seeing it's empty it lights a match and all of a sudden the writing is revealed i think it was just a nice callback like oh harlan covered that base too he revealed to his daughter like your husband's a scumbag you should essentially leave him like i don't think it mattered so much what was in the know it's just like ah harlan got the last jump on her husband too yeah well what's great is they
0: all turn around to look at her and jamie lee curtis flicks that cigarette in the ground and it's like now what and it's it's a pure you know cinematography juxtaposition this woman who is lesser than all of them is now standing high above all of them and that's where we leave it and i'm like well that's i mean it's a little subtle as a brick
1: but it's good too it It, it was a perfect note to end on for the spell my thing i really liked it yeah well i think we're
0: at the part of the podcast anthony where it's time to give final thoughts recommendations and popcorn ratings so what are yours for knives out
1: if you're looking for a mystery film you want to get lost in that you want to put down your phone and cut everything else around you out, which is so rare for a movie to do nowadays, especially mystery films where they're dime a dozen. this is a film for you. you can't be the cast, the writing is incredible, and it's fun it doesn't take itself too seriously, like it's not a drama. It's a it's a it's truly a comedy. It's a mystery comedy and it will keep you engaged and laughing the entire time and you'll leave it wanting to see as many sequels as Netflix is sure to produce and milk the cow on and drain the cow on. I I give this an extra large popcorn, ton of salt and butter. I loved it. I'll revisit it again. I'm excited for the sequel, especially have you seen the cast thing they've been announcing? He's putting together another stellar cast. And oh yeah. Yeah. Catherine Hahn, who is another underrated actress that I love. Like, I'm so glad she's getting, I'm hoping it turns into a starring vehicle for her to piggyback off WandaVision, because I'm so excited. Can't recommend this movie enough though. Extra large popcorn, all the trappings. Yeah, I I absolutely
0: love this movie. If for nothing more than it is Unbelievably cute and fun, and I think you said it perfectly, Anthony. If you just need two hours to forget all this, all this other stuff, waves to the world around us, and you just want to get lost in something, it's so rare to find a movie that can let you do that. That doesn't ask you to accept a lot of stuff. That's like, how can a man fly with a rocket pack on his back? And is that a (laughs) god from another world with lightning? Like, if it doesn't ask you to do that, right? And this movie lives very much in a real world. You know, and in a real lived in place with real <laughs> complicated, messed up people that you we can all relate to, whether we grew up around them or they're in our own family or whatever. This is your movie. And it's it's fun. It's fun that it doesn't treat the audience like it needs to lead you through everything. They're gonna tell you everything you need to know, but you don't feel insulted by that. It's actually part of the fun of the game of it. And the fun thing about this movie for me is trying to introduce it to other people who didn't watch it or missed it. I've told probably a dozen people about it this week. Like you you need to go watch this. Just put your phone down and watch it and just let it wash over you. And what you'll walk out of it going like that's like just laying in the pool for an hour. You didn't really swim, you didn't get much sun, but you got nice and refreshed and it's yep. it's a cool refreshing moment. Uh, from a hot day so i yeah this one for me is an extra large popcorn ton of fun high recommend and i'm with you i'm in for the sequel i can't wait to see what they're going to do that group of people that they've already cast is uh, i I was sold with edward norton catherine and dave batista i'm like okay let's see what what (laughs) happens with that because you know that's going to be just wild and uh and i'm i'm excited for this and i'm i'm also excited that ryan johnson's been able to get past all the star wars hate that he had to absorb for years, uh, because he did something different, and the thing I'll say about him as a filmmaker is much like Soderbergh, he has a vision and a style that puts his stamp on something, so you know it's his kind of movie. And and I'm I'm excited to see what he does next. So this one's this one's a strong recommend for me too, man.
1: Well, it's it's like you just said, he did something different, and in Hollywood nowadays, everything's a remake and adaptation of superhero film. That and it in and of itself is different and refreshing, and worth checking out alone this is actually the year it came out i think my favorite film that released that year this and another surprise film that really surprised me ready or not i don't know if yeah, you've seen that film i know that one yeah 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 so, i really enjoyed that one too and mm-hmm. again that was another richie rich family but with a horror spin on it and uh yeah yeah
0: there's I, always I fun stuff yeah yeah, yeah. I, I recommend you with that one too well anything again tell folks how they can follow tiz the podcast and all the cool stuff y'all got going on
1: yeah, so again Tis the Podcast, the year-round Christmas podcast. You can follow, you can find us at com, and wherever you download podcasts. And Jay has been on a few times, both Patreon and the main show. Him and Ron are coming on the main show in October to discuss paranormal activity, whichever one was set at Christmas. Ghost, ghost Dimension, <laughs> that would be the last one. Yeah. Ghost Dimension. So that'll be a lot of fun. So It's just a fun podcast. Lots of cool people come on and guest star and uh, guest host and, you know. We're, we're a fun, active community, geeky community that may be centered on Christmas, but we talk about everything. So,
0: yeah, the, so. B- the best part about it is, and I, I cannot emphasize this enough, folks, if you're listening to this show, thank you and support independent podcasts like Tis the Podcast and Atkins Undisputed and Dana Buckler Show and, all, and Film Strip, things like that. Because, uh, no offense, celebrities, you had something. You didn't need to come take podcasts from us, too. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, if you listen to this, fine. I- I'm happy for you. But support independent podcasts because that's where you find so much fun in a community and you know we've had uh you've had april Rally on your show i've had her own film strip she's a blast she had, she's a great follow on twitter she and i get to talk wrestling on the side too which is a lot of fun and so yeah uh, support independent podcasts like tis the podcast uh, i'm pr- I'm a proud patreon supporter and, and i don't do that for a lot of shows but i do it for y'all because it's it's a good time and so well well we appreciate that thank you jay yeah always a lot of fun so well folks again thanks for listening to this episode of Filmstrip. You can find all of our extensive archives, three hundred plus episodes now. filmstrippodcast.com We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it. It's out there. All the episodes, some with much more long plot summaries than this one, uh, out there for you to peruse. You can keep up with the show social media at Filmstrip Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find out about upcoming shows on uh, every other week release. Now we appreciate your support. So for Anthony and Tis the Podcast, I'm Jay. Thank you for listening.